Welcome to episode 3 of Dispel. There's a corner of the Twitterverse that I only became familiar with in the past couple of years, and if you love pencil test animations, you'll love this corner as well. It's a place where many 2D animators, western and anime, post their rough animations. Most are obviously drawn digitally, some traditional. They also post and repost clips of inspiring scenes from their favorite animators. The characters and worlds, movement and spatial depth that they can bring to life with a simple loose line constantly inspires me. And the fact that artists of this caliber are usually coming from the four winds makes me oddly proud that this episode's guest is a homegrown hero. I'm excited for you to hear what I would consider an inspiring, compelling, and slightly baffling development story. Mr. Spencer Wan had his own approach, and it clearly worked well for him. Let's get into it. I noticed your resume. It seemed to be a pretty rare animation resume, would you say? Like, being that you're from the U.S.? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess my career's been, like, a little different than most people's in animation. I tend to hop around a lot and work on all sorts of different things. Yeah, I mean, you do 2D keyframe animation and storyboards for lack of a better term for Western anime? Yeah, I guess so. And I guess these days just also normal anime too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was, I was going to get to that. Um, and you've even dipped your toe into actual anime. Yeah, so you've worked on Castlevania for Netflix, a show I still can't believe exists, especially with the, being that the, the quality level is so high. You've worked on OKKO OK for Cartoon Network. Oh yeah, I actually <laughs> forgot I did that. <laughs> Yeah, I did a little stalking. Um, you worked on Borado, or Borado, or Boruto. Like, how, I don't even know how you say it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I usually just say Boruto, but yeah, Boruto. I guess if I were in Japan, yeah. I would pronounce it differently. Gotcha. And that's the follow-up to my favorite anime, Naruto. Super awesome. I still, I still can't believe that happened, and eventually we'll get to how and why that happened. Um, but currently, you're working for Disney TV on The Owl House? Yeah, that's right. Do they know whether that is is that considered new media or is that actually for Disney TV? That's actually for Disney TV. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm actually not sure how it's going to correlate to the streaming service or if it's even going to be on there. So, so we're going to start out through the early years and like we'll kind of build up through coming into kindergarten, then middle school, and try to do as much as we can there. Kindergarten and middle school. <laughs> well, yeah, I think I think this stuff's important, right? Because something spawned. Like we were talking to Jeff Merkhart for episode two, and he was saying that his mom actually took him to see like the original showing of Jungle Book, like. He remembers holding her hand going to the theater and like those milk call drawings burned into his mind. Mm. So we're just wondering like, is there anything that, that comes to mind, stands out like when watching TV, going to the movies, going to maybe even going to museums, any formative moment that really inspired you artistically mm. at that young age? Well, I mean, I know that we used to grow up on, uh, my brother and me grew up on Miyazaki movies rather than oh. Disney movies. My, my dad is a Chinese immigrant, and so he would tend towards uh, getting us Miyazaki stuff rather than getting us, like, The Lion King or sure. uh, any of those. I mean, I'd seen those movies. Uh, my friends uh, had them around, so we'd watch them over there, but uh, all we basically had at home was, like, My Neighbor Totoro and uh, Kiki's Delivery Service. And then when I got older, we saw Spirited Away in theaters. I think it was the first one that went into American theaters, right? Um, I mean, there's there's been screenings of the other shows, but not as, yeah. as broad as that. But I think it wasn't Princess Mononoke was before that, right? Yeah, but I actually never saw that when I was growing up. Yeah, yeah. I didn't come back around that uh, to that one until later when I was in college. I think the thing that really, I mean, the first really formative thing for me would have been in middle school, not uh, when I was younger. I was... Yeah. 
you know, Naruto was coming out on Toonami, and uh, all of my friends were watching it, and, you know, I was watching it, and I'd never really seen that sort of anime before. I mean, they had, like, Dragon Ball Z and that stuff growing up, but I, I never watched it sequentially, so I was never really all that interested in it. I think Naruto was the first one that I, I saw from start to, well, I guess around <laughs> Almost finished, it was like yeah. a billion years later. And, you know, I was into the show, and I thought it was cool, and, uh, you know, middle school, like, really into action stuff. Um, but then you get around to episode, I think it's episode 30, or is it 25? They're, like, in the forest of death, and oh, yeah, Sasuke fights Orochimaru, disguised yeah. as a sound ninja. And Noria Matsumoto takes the, over the animation in that episode, and I'd never seen animation like that before. You know, I'd seen all these sure. Miyazaki movies, but uh, even though the animation quality is so high, it was almost lost on me because of how subtle everything was. Sure. I'd never seen a style like what was happening in that episode of Naruto, so I spent weeks re-watching that episode and trying to figure out exactly why I liked it. And I didn't really have... Uh, I didn't have the vocabulary to express to my friends why I thought this episode was so much cooler sure. than the other episodes. And I remember my, I had this one friend who was just like, oh, why'd you like that one? The animation in that <laughs> one looks weird. It was That's all That's the like, one where, where Rashmara kind of like, he runs on that tree branch and goes and bites... Uh, Sasuke's neck? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, because he's playing with the forms of all the characters, and it's just, it's so dynamic and so interesting looking, but (laughs) my friends back home were just like, oh, it looked weird. They were all stretchy. Why why did you like that episode? And I was like, you don't understand. And I guess at that point, I didn't understand either. (laughs) Gotcha. Um, That's interesting. So, I mean, that seems to have a direct, I mean, obviously a direct correlation of what you were doing on Castlevania. Yeah, something like that. I mean, I I definitely look at uh, that sort of stuff for a great example of storyboarding and animation, too. Sure. I I got two questions about that. So, do you remember what year that was when you saw that? What year was that? I mean, it must have been like 2006, maybe, something like that. I was 12 at the time. How old am I now? Uh, (laughs) I'm 25 now, so it would have been 13, 14 years ago. I I switched to the subtitle versions after a while of watching anime. I think by the time I got into high school, I was watching everything subtitled. And then, uh, secondly, when did you start figuring out exactly whose animation was, you know, which scene? Oh, God, that that wasn't until years later. I, I spent most of my high school and middle school just seeing these scenes and cataloging them and trying to figure out what it was about them that I liked so much, and I I didn't even start trying to animate until the very end of high school. Um, At that point, I still had no idea that these were people animating these things, you know? (laughs) Uh, At that point, I was still thinking, like, oh, the budget must be higher, or the the animators must have had more time. I didn't realize that it could be a single artist who was just so good at what they were doing, and that's what was impacting me. I didn't have, <laughs> I didn't have that thought as a high school student. <laughs> that's funny. It was in college. Uh, someone had pointed me toward this video. Uh, it was around the time the term Sakugo was kind of coming into uh, what is popularity. That? Oh, uh, okay. So it's this term that kind of got appropriated into a uh, how do I explain this? <laughs> it's it's sort of a general umbrella term for animation from Japan that is of a higher quality. Okay. And uh, Sakugo? Sakuga. Sakuga. Yeah, I think it literally just means drawing, but um, at some point people latched on to this (laughs) This other stuff isn't drawing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, at some point um, some fans latched on to this 
term and kind of assigned it this meaning, I guess, uh, of being higher quality animation and this little fandom kind of cropped up around it. And when I was in college, that was just sort of starting to be, that was just beginning to happen, I guess. And uh, suddenly all this information about uh, animators and what they'd worked on was becoming available to me that I I hadn't seen before. It always seemed so like elusive. And, And now I had all these names and I could look at different scenes and be like, oh, okay, he's doing this specific thing that I like, and sure. this this guy is Norian Matsumoto, or like, oh, this guy is like, his drawings are really detailed, and like all of his debris look like blocks, and this guy is Yutaka Nakamura, and so I just started collecting these names instead of these scenes, where in high school I was thinking, oh, like, this scene from this show is the cool one, now I could just say, <laughs> oh, this animator is the cool one. <laughs> were, were you able to jump from anime to anime and see their, their signature within their animations. Yeah, as I got older, I was able to do that. There there were times where uh, we'd go and see these movies and I would point at something and be like, oh, like that's Shinji Hashimoto for sure. <laughs> and uh, it's really rewarding when you can figure that out, but I guess yeah, it's also totally. very nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Pokemon Go, you gotta catch them. So let's go back to your father bringing you Miyazaki at such an early age. Like, I feel like that's kind of a blessing. I mean, obviously, it was, he had a direct link to it. But was there was there anything about seeing Miyazaki at that age that it did inspire you artistically? Or was it ma- mainly just, just kind of sinking in? I think I was too young, actually. I, I, if anything, I think the difference for me is that it made me take that sort of style for granted and not look at it as something that was different or unusual. Oh, interesting. So, so this is the, this is the norm for you. Yeah, uh, you know, looking at that, that that sort of built my expectation of what films should look like. Yeah, I mean, I if I'm thinking about it now. I remember watching Mulan a lot as a kid too, but uh, definitely preferred to watch Kiki's Delivery Service and. <laughs> My Neighbor Totoro more than I think any of the other films in our house. I mean, we must have watched those films hundreds of times. Our parents, whenever we would leave town, would have to bring those films with us because we wanted to watch them so often that if we didn't have them around, my brother and I would get upset. (laughs) That's hilarious. It's funny to think that because, I mean, when comparing them to a Western feature animation, the structure is very different. Like, we don't have, there's not the the main bad guy you gotta take down. It's more of this this journey story of a family and development. Yeah, and it's interesting because I, I think that maybe did shape the way I, I tend to look at stories now and, and that I, I don't think it's necessary to have a main bad guy in every story. Or That film is so interesting still and it's so quiet and serene and I, I think a lot of my childhood was like that. I grew up in a very quiet household and, you know, kind of a suburban rural-ish area of Georgia. Uh, so it was just a lot of my brother and myself on our own watching these films. And uh, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, that feels like, I mean, compared to a lot of the artists, I know that that seems like a, a unique perspective. Not a unique perspective for, for Asian heritage but or Asian Americans, but definitely unique amongst, I think, the broader artistic community. Yeah, I mean, in, I, in America. I definitely know that I, my brother and me were probably the only kids in our hometown watching those films so regularly. <laughs> Kiki's or, what? Mia who? Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Okay, let's go back to high school then. So you were studying and figuring out, you were, you were catching Japanese animators like you were catching Pokemon, just trying to figure out who was doing what in the shows you were watching. Uh-huh. Were there any other episodes of Naruto or things that you, that stood out that 
that really resonated that even informed what you were doing in maybe your sketchbooks or the art that you were trying to do? Oh, honestly, at that point, I wasn't even keeping a sketchbook, but... Uh... Loose leaf paper, anything you were, you were doing. <laughs> yeah, uh, there was also that episode uh, where Rockley fights Gara. That's also... Dude, my, I sent it to my friend. I was like, dude, you're going to love Naruto. It's like, it, I built it up so much that I was almost going to... I was wondering if he was going to be like, ah, it's okay. But he said when he saw that fight with, with Gara and Rockley, he said he had almost had a tear in his eye. It was so amazing. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I recently went back and watched that, and I only just realized that the, that entire episode is 3D background. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the camera moves a lot. Yeah, but even in the dialogue scenes, the backgrounds are 3D, too. <laughs> it's like old, it almost looks like a like a adventure, like an old, uh, like kind of like mist, you know? That's sort of what it looks like, uh, especially around the hands, because there's like these shadows on them that never shift even when the light is moving gotcha. it's interesting check it out. so what, what about that episode were you were you like pausing and framing things and studying or were you like were you drawing from it or i don't know i i never tried to draw from anything actually and i never actually framed through anything interesting um, i mean I, I wasn't really thinking about becoming an animator in high school it was actually something i did on a whim because when i watched those scenes my thought wasn't hey i should try to do this it was Hey, I'll never be able to do this. And so I didn't even try. <laughs> that's hilarious. I mean, again, I, I said this before, but just looking at your Castlevania stuff, that's that's what an interesting uh, perspective you had on it. Yeah, I wanted to be an illustrator when I was in high school. And I even okay. applied to college, a lot of colleges. Um, I was planning on applying as an illustrator. And, uh, and my senior year, I just almost on a whim switched my applications to animation instead. Oh, wow. Yeah. Senior year coming out of high school? Yeah, senior year coming okay. out of high school. So when you say illustrator, like rendered detailed drawing? Uh, yeah, I, I, back, back in those days, I was mostly just doing like really detailed colored pencil drawings. Uh, never paint or anything. I was always terrible at it. <laughs> terrible at charcoal, but I was pretty good at colored pencil. So I, uh, I mean, not pretty good. I was good for a high school. Sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> But yeah, I, I thought I was going to be an illustrator, and uh, then right before sending those applications out, I just had this thought like, well, maybe I could do it, and then I just, uh, it was just a whim. <laughs> I I didn't think too hard about it, I just did it. That's funny. But I mean, but you were very inspired by the animation you were watching, so like, there was something internal that was like, this could probably be a good idea. I think maybe a part of me thought that if I went to college for animation, maybe I could learn how to do it, but... sure. I probably wasn't admitting to that at the time. <laughs> <clears throat> Let's back up a little bit. I want to talk about, um, and it could be middle school or, or even high school. Were there any teachers that, that spoke to you, like encouraging you or giving you like specific guidance on your drawing or, or even painting at the time? Um, I had this one teacher in high school, Miss Haslett, who was like, th there were three art teachers, but she was the one who was kind of like the mom of oh. the, uh, yeah, the <laughs> art classes. And, uh, you know, she was just really good to the kids. Like a lot of us were, you know, bullied or going through things at home. And she would just kind of like provide like a place where we could go and not focus on any of that. Or sure. like she would talk us through some of our issues. Um, oh, that's great. I would very often skip class and then go to her class instead. <laughs> I feel like like a lot of uh, schools have that kind of scenario where like people would go and kind of yeah, get some solace in the art room. I mean, the teachers knew that we were skipping class and going to the art room, and so they would come by every now and then looking for us. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was great, but I mean, she she didn't provide me with a, a lot of instruction on what I was specifically trying to do. She would uh, you know encourage us to work on our basics, but for the most part, she wouldn't. Um, 
try to push us in any one direction, which sure. I, I think was probably good for us. So it was like general guidance and encouragement. Yeah. And like that safe <clears throat> space to be. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, criticizing our perspective. And... <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Does that stick with you to this day? Like, uh... I mean, I don't think a lot of us would have made it through high school without her. Oh, that's great, man. Do you still keep in contact with her? I try to visit her every time I go back home. Um, some of the other art, art teachers don't work there anymore, and I've tried to track them down, but they're elusive. <laughs> Wait, so you had multiple art teachers at one high school? Uh, yeah, we had three. Our high school oh was gigantic, God. actually. It was a, I went to a public school, a Milton High School, which... Uh, is one of the best schools in the state, actually. Yeah, it's it's really big. If you Google images of it, it looks like a government building. It's got like pillars <laughs> and all this newly built when uh, when we were about to go into high school. And actually, I think our parents switched us out of uh, our normal track so that we could attend that school specifically because we, we got rezoned at some point and oh, it gave us the ability to go to this school so we got pulled from the the track we were supposed to be in said goodbye to all our friends and ended up going to Milton High School instead but it, it's a crazy school the art department was constantly underfunded you know everyone only cares about football in Georgia <laughs> yeah isn't that the, the case always yeah so we were always doing I think they were paying for a lot of things out of pocket oh wow and that, that's crazy to me though that it was that big to actually have three art classes. I think we had two, but that was because it was the, the regular art class, but then also we were vocational school, so we were lucky enough to have commercial art also. I think the regular art class was like a period, and then the commercial art class, which was the Votech class, was four periods, so you go right after lunch until the end of the day. Oh, you know, I'm actually misremembering. We had four art teachers. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I, I learned how to use Photoshop at that school. We had a digital art class where they taught us how to use Photoshop, so I already oh, knew how crazy. to use it. Yeah, I didn't learn anything about the computer until I got to college. <laughs> and then even then, when we had our intro to whatever it was called, I was raising my hand like every five seconds. Like, what is the cursor again? What does it do? Yeah, and uh, my parents actually got me my first tablet when I was in high school. It was this dinky little thing, but I started trying to get into digital art in my senior year. It might have had something to do with why I tried to switch into animation. Sure. What year was it when you were in your senior year? Oh, that would have been 2011. Was this a Wacom tablet? Or- yeah, I started with, uh, or wait, actually, I don't think the original one was. I used to borrow the original one from my brother because he was the one who wanted it. Oh. And uh, <laughs> then he, he bought it, or my parents bought it for him, and then he never used it. So gotcha. Is he also an artist? Uh, no. Well, sort of. He... he uh, not sort of. He used to be <laughs> in drama, and uh, then he went to okay. school, switched to fashion merchandising, and then he switched to communications, and now he's fluent in Mandarin. And, oh, wow. Yeah, oh, wow. I think he's working toward a, a degree in Asian studies so he can work for some specific company, but I'm actually not entirely sure. Gotcha. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, so, so the digi- you were you must have been pretty familiar with digital art. Yeah, I used to post on DeviantArt all the time. Oh, nice. <laughs> Dude, I, you know, people give it crap, but, like, as soon as Adam Hughes went on there and validated it, I was like, oh, let's go to DeviantArt and see what this is all about. <laughs> then you find, like, a billion amazing artists on there if you can weed through the, the furries and the photos of people posing for reference model photos. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, it was just nice to post my art somewhere. Back then, uh, I wouldn't really get much feedback from other people, so I would uh, post it online to try and get any sort of response. And I was a nobody, sure. but I, you know, I had like a few people here and there. I'd be like, "Oh, great drawing," and I'd be like, "Yes, <laughs> validation." <laughs> was this? <laughs> was this? Um, what grade was this in high school when you I first think started? I started in junior year. It was around the time I started. That's a good time, I think. That's yeah, really... and I used to just post colored pencil drawings, and then when I got into senior year, I had this thought like, okay, I have to, I have to start doing digital art if I'm gonna, <laughs> if I'm gonna keep up with all these deviant art artists. Uh, when you're doing a pencil drawing, what was your subject matter? Oh, I would just draw anime characters. Okay. 
Okay, so you you were were you trying to make them feel alive, like in those action scenes that you really admired, or were they portrayed? I mean, it was all just so generic. I don't know if you could even really call it anything like that. <laughs> I were drawing a lot of like creatures back then, actually. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was drawing these weird, fleshy kind of creature things with too many eyeballs, and <laughs> um, yeah, I did a lot of those, and then I would draw anime characters fighting them. <laughs> <laughs> were you designing anything, or were you doing like? Uh... Putting other people's characters in the Oh, no, I would never draw other people's characters. Oh, cool. I actually have a really hard time drawing fan art, and that's always been the case. Interesting. That's probably a good asset, being where you are. Uh, yeah, I mean, I still can't draw fan art, but yeah, I'll, I'll just draw things from my head. Or back, back then, I would just, I would see a character that had kind of a cool thing going on, and I'd be like, how can I do this, but different? And it, <laughs> it never turned out all that different, but... Gotcha. Yeah. Did, uh, being that you were coming up with your own characters, did you end up doing any commissions? Actually, there was a year where I lived off commissions, but that's past college. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. We'll, we'll save that for a little bit after this. Is it accurate to say that in high school that's where most of your your initial development was was being cultivated? Definitely not, no. Okay. No, most of my development was in college for sure. Okay. Well then, was it more casual? You were you were doing it, you liked it, but it was it was all more of a fun hobby? Yeah, you know, I I'd always been drawing. I was always that kid who would make like a slightly better drawing than the rest of the class and everyone would be like oh the artist in the class you know i love the attention and um so i would just draw because i was good at it or you know good at it for a high schooler sure but um i never really thought i would get into a a career for it in fact my parents wanted me to be an engineer because it was a a much more stable job they're both accountants so the idea of me going into art i think was kind of a scary concept you can't quantify this yeah but they never tried to stop me they they would always try and kind of push me toward like you know maybe you should (laughs) go you know take your other studies more seriously and you know maybe you're the one that showed us miyazaki yeah but he they never tried to stop me when i told them i wanted to apply for art school they fought it for a little bit but not that hard and then uh gotcha yeah, that, that's all I ended up applying for. I was skipping so many classes at that point and failing almost everything. So, <laughs> uh, it was a good thing I went to art school. Yeah, I, I didn't. I, I had. Uh, I did not have very good grades coming out of high school. I was putting most of my time into my artwork and then working after at night after high school. <laughs> um, did Miss Haslett have uh, anything to do with where you went for college? Like, did she help you? put your portfolio together or oh yeah make no all, all of the arts uh all of the art teachers would do that okay um, i had mostly miss haslett for my last year so she was helping me out with choosing a school i i considered going to scad in atlanta almost everyone i know was going to scad at the time but um it wasn't nationally accredited when we were uh, applying which actually doesn't make a difference in an art field but that was enough to turn me away from it, and also because this uh, girl in my class who was really mean to all of us made fun of me once for trying to go to SCAD. <laughs> Don't know, isn't there a lot of great people that come out of that school? Oh, yeah. It's it's a pretty good school. I, <laughs> and honestly, it would have been much cheaper for me to go there because of all the scholarships Georgia oh, offers you just for staying in state. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, no, I I actually almost went to CCS in Detroit. Okay. Um. I had applied for them. I had applied for SVA. Yeah, SVA ended up offering a better scholarship for me, and it was in Manhattan. So I, I tried to pass up CCS, and they actually uh, they actually came back with a counteroffer, which oh, I didn't wow. think ever happened. But I wasn't yeah. I wasn't good enough. I've for never that. heard of that at all. <laughs> yeah, I I am shocked to this day that that happened because I was a shit artist 
<laughs> back then. Yeah, but I, I ended up going to SVA because uh, we thought that Manhattan would have been a better experience for me. Sure. And uh, yeah, nearly ended up in Detroit. <laughs> yeah, the, that dynamic would have been quite uh, the contrast. Well, I, I would have gone to school with someone that I ended up working with later at Powerhouse. Oh, really? Yeah, instead I ended up going to school with no one I work with. Well, except for now, just not then. All right, well, is there anything else we can dig through in terms of uh, you pouring over and just absorbing anime throughout high school? In, in no, because it was mostly in college. Okay. Yeah, there, there's really not a lot going on in my high school. <laughs> Age. There's something there, something we're not getting to. You just can't remember it. Um, were there? Okay, we established that anime was a was a huge formative component of your development. Was there any Western animation or uh, other forms of art media that that had an influence then before you're getting into college? Um, honestly, not really. I was not that easily influenced of a, a child, so I <laughs> this one thing really really impacted me, but. Uh, I wasn't absorbed. Oh, you know what? I used to play this, uh, I got suspended once and I started playing the game Monster Hunter, oh, which is still yeah, my yeah. favorite game series. I'm obsessed with it. Yeah, um, I got a couple buddies that... Yeah, put 400 hours into the new game. But back wow. then, um, they had just come out with Monster Hunter 3 for the Wii and no one was playing it in my hometown. I've been seeing it at Target for a while and I thought, oh, this guy's got a really big sword and it's <laughs> fighting this dragon. I should buy this game, but I didn't have the money for it. You know, very limited funds as a high school student. But then after I got suspended, I thought, well, I've got a week to kill. And my, I got suspended for graffiti. Oh. <laughs> um, and my parents were like, this is dumb. Everyone graffitis that wall. Just do whatever you want if you're suspended. And so I, <laughs> I bought this game and I spent an entire week playing it. It was the hardest game I'd ever played back then. That's it was so hard, but the thing about it that was really uh, influential for me was that it was it was the first game I'd ever seen where the character with the giant sword swings the sword as if he's swinging a giant sword. Okay, and so then, it has weight to it. And... Yeah, the animations were so slow. You get locked into these wind-downs for ages, and it frustrated me at the beginning, and then I started to feel like, no, I, I think this is right. Like, this is interesting, <laughs> and it feels good, and I don't... Why is it so, he like, heavy? <laughs> <laughs> and it, it really informed the way that I look at weight in animation. Um, wow, that's really cool. And this is... Towards the end of high school? Yeah, this was um, in my... must have been my senior year, I think. Wow, so did you ever link up and play other people? Oh, yeah, they. it was the only game on the Wii where you could um, connect... I think it's the only game on the Wii where you could connect to people without using a friend code. Oh, yeah. So they had these online servers that, like, one by one slowly got shut down because not enough people were playing it. But, uh, yeah, I would play online with people. And uh, I remember I plugged a keyboard into the Wii because that was the only way you could really communicate. It didn't have, like, a microphone yeah. or anything. And so I'm just... My character would stand <laughs> still and start mashing the keyboard and trying to, like, communicate these things that really needed to be communicated in an instant. <laughs> As the sword was winding up, you were typing away. <laughs> no, I would totally do that, too. Like, I, I would start a, a, a slow attack, and then I would try and mash something into the keyboard while I was attacking. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I, I remember my friend uh, Toby, uh, Tobias Kwan, and uh, Steven Wen, when I worked with them Ready, Ready at Dawn, I don't know if it was the PSP or the Vita. Which one was it where you could play mobile and connect? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I didn't I didn't but end up buying that. I remember they got it together and were just kind of nerding <clears throat> at work through their cubicles. Um, oh, that's so cool, man. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about getting into college. Your art teacher help you choose like places to apply to? 
Yeah, or she just she didn't, you know, tell us where to go, but she she would tell us things about the schools that she knew if she thought it would help us make a decision. Sure. And then you ended up in Manhattan at SVA. Yeah. I uh there used to be this list and I'm sure the list is still around, but it would just rank art schools, you know, yeah. from 1 to whatever and I, I think RISD was number 1 at the time and SVA was something like number 13 and for some reason that list mattered a lot to me back then. I thought I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, I I don't even I, I don't know why they're ranked in such a way at all. I, anyone who goes to art school will tell you that some lists like that would never matter. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I picked SVA, I think at the time, because it was low enough to where I wasn't going to some school that I thought might be pretentious, but high enough to where I was going to a school that was respectable. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really dumb, but yeah, that, that was one of, one of the reasons I went there. Well, and, I mean, that must have been really interesting. Like, did you take advantage of the history of that is Manhattan and the art history there? Oh, well, um, we definitely would, would go to the museums around and, and draw from things around there. In fact, a lot of our teachers would take us there oh, cool. to draw. So, uh, yeah, I think it was uh, definitely a, a great place for that sort of thing. Did you end up going to the illustration house and seeing all the stuff they had on display? No, I did not. Honestly, I, I didn't take full advantage of Manhattan while I was there. It was just working on my own stuff a lot. Uh, most of the time I was out and about, I was just trying to get to my next class. <laughs> sure. There's no campus for SVA, so you have to... Oh. Yeah, it's it's less like... I mean, I feel like I never really got a college experience because you, there's no campus. The, the people you're seeing regularly are just the classmates that, that you're taking these first few classes with and so I would see the same classmates and then I would go to another building across town and then I would see the same classmates rather than you know there being frat houses or sports teams or anything like I think maybe we had sports teams but I don't, I don't think a lot of people are paying attention to them it was more like running errands than, than oh, it was funny. like living on a college campus when, when you say across town was it were you able to walk from building to building at least, or I mean, I mean yeah, you, you could walk. Sometimes you take the subway, uh, gotcha. and it was pretty well understood. So teachers would let certain students out of class early because they had to walk across New York to get to their next class. Um, and no then you no had idea. those teachers that were mean and, and wouldn't let you out early, <laughs> insisting that their class was the most important. Yes, teleport if you must. Yeah. Wow, that's insane. What does SBA stand for? School of Visual Arts. Yeah, it's that one where you say, oh, I went to School of Visual Arts, and people say, which one? <laughs> well, that must have been, that was interesting. So being that it was so fragmented, did you have a group of art buddies that you, that, that, that you have camaraderie with people where you were being inspired by what they were doing? Or Oh, yeah. In fact, that's the best part of going to an art school. You learn so much more from your peers than you do from most of your teachers. Just having people around you that are all trying something different, it's it's really good for you. Like, you, you start drawing way more than you normally would have, and you start taking in these influences that you wouldn't normally... It's just good to have people working on art around you if you're trying to get better. So sure, and in that first uh, that first year, was it was it a general foundation year, or were you? It was mostly a foundation year. You know, we had a an animation class, and uh, that that was really long, like six hours or something. Oh, and wow. then we had a, a drawing class. What else? I can hardly remember now. We had a storyboarding class. And this was all within that foundation year? Yeah, because the foundation year differs depending on your major at oh, SVA. So when you major in animation, you have your animation class, your drawing class, your storyboarding class, you have animation history, and then you have to take a few humanities, like I think I had a lit class and... Uh, 
Gotcha. That's interesting. What what was the rate? So you you choose your your major within your first year, but what's the ratio through just core foundation classes where you're just going to figure drawing, you're just learning painting, you're just learning perspective versus the the animation? And the- oh, okay. So so the drawing class and the animation class were the two longest classes. And in the animation class, you get most of your core animation stuff. And in the drawing class, you get your core drawing stuff. So things like figure and perspective and mm-hmm. all that were were taught by one teacher. Gotcha. in the drawing class and then second year we had uh, anatomy as well through throughout that first or second year were, were there any of your figure drawing teachers that were giving you the tools that really helped with what you're doing now what you what you see within your castlevania work it's not an exaggeration to say that everything i got out of college mostly came from my drawing teacher my, my first year drawing teacher his name is a uh, matt archambault Archambault? Yeah, Archambault. And he, he has this website, Drawing Tutorials Online or something. Where, yeah, he, te- he would teach as a professor there, and then he would also update that website. I think it's pretty famous, actually. Okay. Well-known website. I think they used to have ads for it on DeviantArt. Oh, wow. And so I knew about it going in, and I was like, oh, this is that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he was really great. Very eccentric individual. And he, yeah, he, he taught us... The interesting thing about the way he taught us is that he knew we were animators, so he knew that... If we were absorbing all this really specific anatomy stuff, it would be mostly useless to us down the line. Things mm-hmm. like, you know, the the measurable distance between knuckles on your hand or something like that's sure. never going to matter to an animator. So he focused on teaching us a gesture over how to make a really well-rendered human form. Gotcha. That's really cool <clears throat> that he kind of geared it towards the abstraction and then how to utilize it. Yeah, so he knew what we needed to get out of his class, and he would even give these entire lectures on just how to market ourselves as artists even though you know it was a drawing class he was sure he was trying to teach us what we needed to know to sell our work even after college which was kind of unusual i think but uh, it was really good for us yeah i mean being that he had that online tutorial site that seemed something he was passionate about yeah i i think he just wanted us to do well after school which uh i think you can't say the same for uh, a lot of art schools like a lot of people when they when they come out of school they complain that we were never taught how to actually live as artists especially if you go to a fine art school and it's it's more about just developing you as an artist yeah and it's so interesting because at my school we had our foundation year but that was strictly foundation it was like morning to night just just foundation classes no major your stuff until our second year where then we pick our major and then we get into it and then we split that time between even more foundation and some major stuff but i think they changed that i think they might even kill the foundation year which blows my mind it's like what are you doing <laughs> yeah well i mean ours was sort of spread out too i mean we we took perspective in second year there was an entire perspective course second year which the teacher actually offered to wave me out of it because i was arguing with him on the first day <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be in here you know <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, no, I'll stick around, maybe I'll learn something. And I did learn some tricks, but I probably should have taken them up on the offer to, to be waved out. Because, like, <laughs> A plus for get out of here. <laughs> well, a lot of people at the in school at that point still didn't know how to draw perspective. I never thought it was too difficult, honestly. I think perspective is one of the most easy things you can pick up as an artist that makes a ton of difference, but people just, a lot of people avoid learning it. When you say easy, like, or you mean like it's for you, you have an easier time intuitively making it feel believable? Oh, no. No, it's not that. It's it's easy in that there are concrete rules, and as long as you execute them the same way, okay. then it comes out right. <laughs> <laughs> well, where did you did you pick up those things in high school then? Oh yeah, no, okay. I, I I basically had perspective down by the time I was out of high school. Yeah, there's a. 
even though as far as I am through my career, there's a lot of the very specific stuff that I've never even really delved into. I, I learned the basics, but like when it comes to like the fine, fine minutia of it. Oh uh, yeah, well I'm, I'm still learning things about that all the time. I didn't even understand focal length until I worked on Castlevania. It's actually one of the one of the things that decides the difference between the look of Western and uh, Japanese animation is that in in uh, Japanese layouts they're constantly playing with the focal length. So it's where you get those really dynamic shots where like a character will have like their like fist is right up in the front of the screen gotcha. and then their other that. hand is like way back like it's just playing with focal length. Sure, sure. So it's the whole. <clears throat> it's a, it's a pretty specific thing, but uh, working with the 3D programs in Castlevania was when I really made the connection. Like, oh, if I change the focal length here, I can I can entirely change the feel of this scene. Gotcha. And like I can fit more or less information in it depending on like how I mess with this thing. So that's cool. Let's go back to your drawing teacher. How many terms did you have, Mets? I only had him. I had him uh, two semesters, so just my first year. Oh, okay. Yeah. But but most of what you got out of college came from those two semesters? I think so, yeah. Um, oh, that's great. I was actually one of the worst draftsmen in the class when I started. <laughs> Everyone else was better than me. And he used to have these uh, little competitions where he would uh, he would make these videos of people's sketchbooks, right? Like, he would just... Well, that was actually one of his uh, assignments was that we had to keep a sketchbook and draw a certain amount of things in it before each class. And I was really bad at keeping up with my sketchbook because I'd never done something like that before and because I was lazy. Um, <laughs> But he, he would kind of pit the students against each other, and uh, if, like, one person's sketchbook stood out a certain amount one week, he would uh, he would shoot a video where he just flipped through it and, like, explained what the students were good at and, like, what they were doing right and, like, why their drawings oh, were really cool. good. And he would post them on YouTube, and they would get, like, hundreds of thousands of views. So it was also, like, I think it was part advertising for his site and then part sure. like advertising for us because I it also built the foundation of like my my following on the internet it was because he shot a video of my sketchbook oh, like, wow. way back in the day it's like some benevolent double dipping yeah a little bit all those old ones still up yeah oh man I can't wait to get on YouTube I <laughs> Doing it after you leave. a lot of people still remember that video and love to tell me <laughs> that they saw my sketchbook video, and I look like <laughs> such a little tool in that video. Oh man, I it's it's embarrassing. <laughs> I bet. Uh, well, we can cut that if you'd like. <laughs> no, that's okay. It's gonna come up anyway. Gotcha. That's really that's cool though that you have that that record of it. Even if you end up losing the, the sketchbook, that's there. That's hilarious, man. Do you feel like you got enough foundation, being that you already delving into your your major within that first year? Um, I think I most of the things that I need to learn how to do were to loosen up. Like people say that loosen up all the yeah. time, but what they're really telling you is that you need to stop focusing so much on getting everything perfect. Um, I was really heavy handed. Everything I was drawing was coming out really stiff and like geometric and had no appeal whatsoever. And everyone else in the class did not have that problem. It was just me. <laughs> Uh, they would make these like really loose appealing characters and like some people were like going way abstract and some people were going really cartoony and I was just sitting here drawing these like mannequin stiff like but that I mean that makes sense coming from how you were you were into more of a rendered illustration <clears throat> version of what you were doing in high school yeah and I think that's why Matt's class was so handy for me because if he had uh, sat us down and had us rendering the human form for an hour at a time every class it would have just ingrained those habits in me but instead he he'd bring these models in and he'd be like okay you've got a minute or you've got 30 seconds and we would have to try and draw the entire human form I mean that's just your basic gesture class but I'd never encountered something like that before sure and uh learning how to draw the human form quickly and like with 
as little information as possible is a really great skill for an animator. Did he have any experience with an animation? Like, no, because it seemed like he's he was doing you guys a lot of great favors, like coming from that perspective. Uh, no, I, I don't think Matt had any animation experience at all. Wow. Well, so that must have just came <clears throat> from his ambition as a teacher. Is like, well, let's teach him something they need to know based off of what they want to do. Yeah, there were even classes where he uh, would play episodes of Avatar, and we would oh, have wow. to draw our gestures from those episodes. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So he was a fan. He wasn't his teacher. Like he was. He loved art. Yeah. He he really liked everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's super cool. Nice. Oh, yeah, I actually uh, I grew up on that show. Uh, something I forgot to mention. Okay. It was um, one of the only times I would get to hang out with my dad because he was so busy. He was a you know, he's a CPA, so he works with taxes uh, all year. And there were certain stretches where he would just never come home, and we never really got to see him. But he would always put time aside to watch Avatar with us That's because cool. he liked the show too. And he must have really appreciated it because it was a quote unquote anime, but with a Chinese aesthetic. Yeah, <laughs> he would always uh, he would uh, he would tell us like what the Chinese on those little bands and things oh that's cool meant. yeah yeah that's rad man and it was also uh you know it's mostly chinese fighting styles too yeah 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 and my dad is a, a martial artist too um he oh. he's been studying wing chun for years i think at this point you could probably consider him a master and wow. i also learned martial arts when i was younger because i was getting bullied so much i started when i was 11 because i got into a fight yeah uh that was my first fight and then I, I studied with a friend of his who uh, was attending the same class uh, but he thought that Wing Chun oh my dad studies Wing Chun he thought that Wing Chun would be too boring for me to learn as a kid because it's it's kind of an it's a no it's a no-nonsense martial art doesn't involve a lot of like fancy movements or anything yeah, yeah. Um, and so he had me learn Taekwondo under his friend I just had this private tutor no belt oh, wow, system or anything cool. and just a couple times a week I would I would go to their martial arts studio but he would just teach me uh, when they weren't working. Yeah, we had a bunch of those dummies lying around our house, too. And my dad would practice on trip over them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Does he still practice? Like, Oh, yeah. Cool. And he's a 50-something-year-old man now. Cool. Does he does he teach at all? Or? No. I Honestly, I think that school is mostly mostly sort of faded out, you know. Over time, a lot of the, the disciples from that school have kind of just moved to different places or, like, moved to different studios and... So now I think it's mostly just my dad practicing with his old teacher. Gotcha. Your dad came here from China? Yeah. Did he did he start learning Wing Chun like when he was there as a kid? No, I don't think he learned I don't think he started learning it until he was older, when gotcha. he was already in America. Um, I left school after second year, okay. but I... Oh, after second year. After second year. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, let's, let's start talking about... Uh, so what what was your, your foundation in major study like in that second year? Uh, second year, we, you know, we had animation again. I had a... This is a funny one, actually. I had started the year with a different animation teacher. Um, there's this guy, Mario, who worked as a teacher at SVA, and he was the old school Disney guy who, um, you know, he animated, like, Jim Hawkins and Treasure Planet, like, oh, animated, cool. like, the apes and, like, Tarzan and you know he's like this badass like Disney animator and um, by that point I had already started to make certain breakthroughs on how to imitate the anime style of animation. It was something that I'd slowly started to figure out in first year and so one of the things that I knew to be true about animation was that I could switch between 
twos, threes, and fours. Just go through through my time. Oh, do, should I explain twos, threes, and fours? Yeah, okay. yeah. We, we want to know everything. Yeah. How how do you do that thing you do? So so uh, when when you're animating, you don't always draw in every single frame, right? Sometimes a drawing will occur for more than one frame, and most animation across the world plays on twos. So gotcha. that's. Uh, two frames per drawing. So out of a, a 24 frame per second thing, you are drawing on 12. You're making 12 drawings out of, out of the 24, so you'd call that twos. If it's threes, you're drawing on eight. Mm-hmm. And then if it's, uh, you know, fours, so on. Most people don't get past fours because it starts to look really, like, just different. Yeah, yeah. But, like, the, it's pretty obvious that it's different drawings. So I've actually been able to get away with a six before. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, less drawing. Yeah, that was in college. I got away with a six and, and no one could tell. And I was really proud of that back then. <laughs> but so this is something I knew going into, going into his class. I, I had already known that I could swap between twos and threes while I was working if I wanted the weight to work a certain way or if I needed something to last longer I I could just switch my timing up rather than having to add more drawings or cut down on drawings and so on the first day he had us animate this pendulum I knew how to animate a pendulum by now it's it's the first thing you learn as an animator and but what I did that was different was I I um, played with my timing and so while the pendulum was moving faster I put it on twos and when it reached the edges of its swing, I switched to threes, which a Japanese animator would tell you is correct. But he told me that I shouldn't ever use threes. And because I was so stubborn back then, I dropped his class that day. <laughs> I was just about to ask, like being that he came from Disney, from the, the quote unquote full animation mentality, <clears> like, yeah, what was that interaction like? Yeah, well, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, we get a sense of that already. It was funny. I, you know, he, we were, he was playing all these pendulums in, in front of the class. I think the first day of his teaching is kind of a scare tactic. He's trying to weed out the students that, you know, don't have the, <laughs> that don't have like the concentration or like the strength to make it through. And so sure. he, he was kind of giving all of us a hard time and he was playing all these pendulums and saying like, this is terrible. This is wrong. Like everything you're doing is wrong. And then he got to mine and he was like, oh no, see, this is actually one that's working. And then he, he's like, who animated this? I raised my hand and he's like, what's your timing like? And I say, it's, uh, you know, three, three, two, two, two. And he's like, stop, you should never animate on threes. And and I'm like, why shouldn't I animate on threes? He's like, because it's difficult to in between. And he was right, but I was never planning on having anyone in between my work. <laughs> and so I, I got a plan uh, for the future. See? <laughs> you know, kind of just silently stewed over it for the rest of class, and then I walked straight to the advisor's office and asked to be switched to another teacher. That and it's hardcore. It was kind of a big deal when that happened because, you know, people really wanted to get into his class. I had just happened to luck out and land in it. And now I'm saying that I want to leave on the first day. So people said some things about me after that. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. Yeah, apparently it was a great teacher too. Um, but I, I switched to a, a different teacher, Celia, who mostly taught us film foundation. Um, her animation course, she gave us these interesting assignments assignments we we had to animate a six-legged walk cycle once we had to animate a character sneezing these things that you don't think about um but that are important to kind of understand as an animator do you feel like even though you you may have got some great stuff out of the other guy's class you still appreciate the class you ended up in yeah i think definitely celia was a better choice for me if i'd stayed in mario's class he probably would have kept picking at my stuff 
in, until I was animating like a Disney animator, and that just wasn't what I wanted to do. I guess we'll never know, but clearly you're doing all right for yourself. <clears throat> yeah, I think I'm doing fine. <laughs> um, wow, can you dig more into her class? Like things, like a specific thing that spoke to you about your direction? Uh, I learned all about different types of cuts, you know, learned about match cuts, jump cuts, basically anything you want to know about film. Celia was teaching it to us alongside animation wow. in that class. And she would never tell you you were doing something wrong if it was stylistic. Gotcha. So she never had a problem with me using threes in her class, and I was I was uh, happy with that. <laughs> <clears throat> Is there? Can you think of anything specific from your your figure drawing teacher? I mean, like putting pen to paper, like something like did he did he end up doing drawovers on your sketching or? Oh, on my my drawing teacher? Yeah, yeah. yeah oh no, nothing like that. He he would never draw over anything we did. Um, instead he would draw something next to it and he, he would say like, okay, so like, here's this drawing and like, here are the problems with it. And he would like make a drawing next to it, um, using <clears throat> the things that he was trying to teach us at the class at the time. And actually the thing that really stuck with me from his class that people still talk about in my drawing style today is that he hammered into me that if you're erasing a lot and that if you're really heavy handed, it's a bad thing, which is the exact opposite of what, uh, a lot of Disney animators do. Like many, many Disney animators are very, very heavy handed. You look at the roughs and it's like these dark, dark pencil lines. They love using like soft pencils. But what Matt was telling me made a lot of sense to me at the time. And I remember thinking, well, yeah, if you are making heavier lines, it's going to be harder to erase anyway. And if you're erasing a bunch, then you're making a really slow drawing. That's never going to work if you're animating. And so I, I was the most heavy handed student in the class. I was making these, you know, frustrated geometric drawings. And so one thing that I did in his class was that I switched my pencils. I, I was using just a normal HB pencil before, but I went out and I bought a mechanical pencil and I loaded it with 3H lead, which is really hard wow. and most people hate drawing with it. Are you and, using the one where like it has like the full long piece of lead? Oh no, just like a normal ass mechanical pencil, oh, wow. like the kind you draw with in school, and it's still the, the kind I draw with today. Um, and I hid my other pencils from myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I I started drawing in this 3H paper, and of course the first thing that happened is I was tearing through several pages at a time. Like, I, I was literally ripping through the paper <laughs> with my pencil, and so but after a few weeks, I was naturally scaling back the pressure on my hand, and gotcha. so eventually I became lighter-handed and lighter-handed and lighter-handed. Yeah, broke many a little. Yeah, and my, my drawings became more comfortable and, like, less heavy, and now I, I draw with, like, still such a light line people always comment on it when they see my actual pencil drawings in person that I, I I'm I'm like hardly making a mark when I do my undersketch. Interesting. I, th this is skipping really far ahead, but when you when you see your rough animations, you're seeing like that really brutal line you see digitally. Are you building underneath that to get to that line? I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll do an, an under and under drawing, everyone does it in, in Japan, they call that the layout stage. But uh, yeah. in America, you'd call that your first pass. And I, you know, I'll, I'll do that too. But people comment on, on my digital drawings as well, actually. I, um, because I, I tend to draw so lightly at first, when I'm making the finished drawing, then I can, you know, sort of modulate the pressure <laughs> that I'm using. And so there are certain things like around the eye, for example, if like the line around the eye needs to be thicker, like the eyebrow line needs to be thicker, I can just press down a little harder. Yeah. And I can, it allows me to not focus too much in one area for too long and I can just crank through a bunch of drawings. Gotcha. I, I, I was <laughs> curious of whether you were using that more opaque line for your roughs too. Oh no, I use, I just use a really thin one. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And then when you thicken it up just to get the, the final layout line. What I do is I mostly draw in Harmony now or, or Storyboard Pro. I don't like to draw in Photoshop. Sure. Um, and it allows you to 
to you can make this brush that it like it'll be like one pixel thin if you're pressing real light and then if you press down really hard it jumps all the way up to 50 and so I'll use something like that and I'll just use the pressure that I'm pre uh, the pressure of my hand to change the line with rather than using an actual like change of brush or anything gotcha and that's really cool so you're doing all your your figure drawings with that mechanical pencil yeah i, I started using only mechanical pencils and, and then I, when you're doing that you're just you're laying out the gesture obviously you're not doing rendering with the with that little liner yeah no the the line is just an under the uh the thin h the 3h line is just an under sketch uh tool for me okay and then uh when i finish drawing on on paper i'll, I'll go back to the hb Okay. So that I can get the darker tones that the 3H can't make. Uh, along with your, your gesture drawings, did you have an extended figure class? Uh, no. Okay, so it was mainly just for animation figure drawing classes. Yeah, um, we, we'd have the figure drawings with Matt, and that was basically it. I think we had some figure drawing classes in animation as well, but they were pretty few and far between. Were there any students that were doing anything akin to the, the, the aesthetic that you liked that you were inspired by or maybe even jealous of? Uh, yeah, there's this kid, Alex Pierre, um, who drew so much better than me when I when I first <laughs> started school. And he was doing something like this. He was doing these like very loose gestures. Actually, like his proportions were kind of all over the place when he was drawing back then. But you couldn't tell because he was drawing so confidently. And so that was like a lesson that I had to learn from him was that a confident line is much, much better than a, like, really uncomfortable but perfect one. Like, making a weird wobbly line that you made in two seconds thinking, I know this is correct, is always going to come out better than slowly and meticulously making this thing gotcha. that should be perfect, but you're thinking, like, man, I, God, this is really hard. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so he, did, would you say his stuff felt more appealing and more alive? Definitely. It was, like, much, I mean, we were both drawing anime characters, but his gotcha. were much looser and, like, just much more appealing, and mine were stiff and terrible and in perfect perspective <laughs> <laughs> so you but you were you're were still struggling with that that uh that habit you had of like you were doing lots of illustration before you get into this mindset yeah well i mean even illustrators will will draw with a much looser and like more gestural line if they know what they're doing this is just an overarching thing for any sort of artist i think yeah and and this is early in college and you're still developing so i think maybe it's also just a mileage issue like you just and you've broke through it so <laughs> oh definitely not for me because I, I don't draw very much i still don't draw very much i, I draw way less than other people do and i was always criticized that for makes it makes no sense to me <laughs> <laughs> well i've always thought that um you can draw and draw and draw and draw but you'll never get anywhere if you don't think about what you're doing okay. and so i'm the sort of artist that thinks a lot and then makes one drawing rather than not thinking and then making a very interesting yeah i had a teacher um mr wang in college one of the best figure drawing teachers we had at ccad and he would talk about pay attention to what you're you're supposed to be drawing and then draw and I would just sit down and start whipping away. I'm drawing because I can draw. And yeah. it just wouldn't be accurate. He just take the time to understand and, and to see. That's really interesting. So you're, so you're saying that you don't naturally have the habit to kind of just fill up sketchbooks or loosely paper. I've never finished a sketchbook. Yeah. Well, I've, I've never either. But yeah. Well, I've never even come <laughs> I mean, close. I would fail Matt's assignments all the time. I think I failed our first sketchbook assignment because you were supposed to have a whole sketchbook and I had like maybe 20%. I was terrible at it. And one of the ways I did end up slowly being able 
able to kind of match what his assignments were asking for was that I started to copy everyone in class. Not not copy their drawings or anything. Mm-hmm. I was trying to copy their drawing styles. And so I would try to draw like Alex where I would be loose and gestural and not think about the actual proportions so much as just the appeal of the line. I would like try to draw like my friend Chris Ann who would draw almost exclusively in pen. So you're saying more drawing approach style rather than design style. Yeah, I would try to copy their actual draftsmanship techniques. And so I wasn't making the same drawings they were. I was still making drawings that looked a lot like my drawings, but I was trying to draw them the way they would draw them. So uh, I, I learned a lot then between the... The really thin pencil and the having to like entirely adjust my approach to a drawing. I, I I learned so much just from like mimicking them. Sure. What were their their design? The Alex guy was doing the the anime. What what were the other people into? There was a girl Diana who uh, was really into like abstractions. So she was doing these like really like like very. Uh, how do I even explain this? It was abstract art. Like even her animation would look like that when <laughs> when she would animate it. The things would just kind of like melts and like flow into each other (laughs) there was this girl rena who was like really into um she was really into spongebob stuff back then okay i mean we were all into spongebob yeah she was drawing like these really over the top like very how do i explain rena's style it was interesting because everyone in our class was different it was a weird year too because a lot of people at sva were drawing similarly in different years but our specific year everyone had totally different drawing styles and you felt that that was an asset to be a part of that yeah i mean just learning from them like going in and seeing okay the thing i'm doing is not the end all to be all to drawing there are all these other ways you can look at drawing that's really cool i mean i'm just thinking like your your style is you live in almost you kind of you breathe anime but you also like your development seemed to have have this appreciation for for all of these different approaches yeah, honestly, it took me a while to get there, though. I was so stubborn. Yeah. I was mimicking them in 2012, but for the entirety of 2011, I was trying to fight it so hard. I, oh, wow. I was well, like, what how... was it within that year span that, that clicked? I just... I was losing. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean, you were losing? Everyone else was doing better than me. They were, like, oh. getting better grades. They were handing in better assignments. I, I was never considered for a sketchbook video. That's great, though. So you... you did some inward searching and like you were like okay well what are they doing i'm not and what can i learn from them yeah that's so cool man it's great i know we're we're meandering around here even though we're sticking within this confined uh, educational journey but are there any anecdotes or just any little quirky moments that happened during college that that were enlightening or that that helped you in any way like maybe that maybe it wasn't even in within class setting and this is tough because, like, we're trying to dig for, like, things we're not even, that aren't even on our radar. Yeah. And I like hanging out, drawing with other students. Like, you guys, like, did you go out into the city? And... Oh, yeah, we go out all the time. Um, I don't know if a lot of it had to do with, I mean, it definitely helped me as a human being. I don't know about yeah. it as an artist, but <laughs> I think this was, you know, it was one of the first times that I'd really had, uh, like, really close friends. I, I had a handful in high school, but they all went to college. I was only, I was hanging out with seniors when I was in, uh, in sophomore year, so they all graduated, and then, gotcha. you know, one by one, I got to watch all of my close friends leave, and so when I got to college, I, I remember thinking, like, oh, I, I will probably see these people for the rest of my life, and uh, a lot of them I have. That's yeah. great. Did, did a lot of them end up coming to LA? Or? Some of them did. Sure. Actually, I know exactly what I can tell you. <laughs> <clears throat> when I was in Mario's class... Was I in Mario's class or was I just working? Who, who was Mario's? Mario was the, the Disney animator. Oh, yes. 
I'm trying to remember the exact details of this story, but one of the things that really got me where I am today is my connection with this animator, Dana Terrace, who's the showrunner on the thing I'm working on now. Oh, the Owl House. Yeah. And the reason why I know her is because, uh, well, she went to SVA. She was two grades ahead of me. I didn't think I would ever actually be able to talk to her, but she was, you know, clearly making some of the highest quality work that was coming out of the, sh- out of the school. Very cool. Everyone knew it. They, you know, Dana Terrace was like a legend. <laughs> SVA and she was going to be like the next big thing to come out of the school and you know she's lived up to that name but back then I was just trying to figure out like is there any way I can like talk to her and be weird you know to just come out of nowhere I don't want to be like that guy I've already seen many people be that guy with her and she doesn't you don't want to be that guy yeah and um I overheard a student asking Mario about special effects and how to animate special effects and he was saying like oh I didn't know you were interested in special effects. And she she said, well, you know, uh, I kind of am. I'm, And, you know, Dana's looking for an effects animator for a student film. And I just, like, stood up and walked <laughs> all the way across the animation floor and, like, right up to Dana. And I was like, so I hear you're looking for an effects animator. At that point, I... I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. did you hear? <laughs> well, um, because I'd been approaching animation in, like, the Japanese way, and because I'd been, like, mimicking all of my classmates, my drafting style had become very uh, versatile, and so I, at that point, already knew how to animate effects pretty well. Cool. And it was something that a lot of the other students hadn't been, hadn't been focusing on. Like, most people who go into animation focus just on character. There were very few effects animators at our school, and so I, I went right up to Dana and told her, I'll animate effects on your film, and she was like, all right. <laughs> this is the film that I saw online, right? Um, that one was called Mirage, I think. Yeah. The Eskimo Boy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I voiced just watched Voiced by Ash Ketchum. Who's this? Yeah, the, the Pokemon. Oh! Ash Ketchum from Pokemon. Same <laughs> voice cow. actress. How voice the, actress, I think, yeah. How the heck did that happen? I don't remember. <laughs> but I do remember her, you know, freaking out and being so excited at the time. She's like, I got Ash Ketchum! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I animated some water for her. and It's mostly just water, but... uh. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Wow, and how cool. She, moving forward, is the reason why I'm in animation today. And the reason why I'm working on her show. But really? Yeah, without her, I would probably still be working at a tire shop. Interesting. Coming from the guy who whose work is indistinguishable to the naked eye, or to <laughs> to the layman, or mom, uh, if you look at your the Castlevania stuff, like, might as well be an animator in Japan. Yeah, well, before that, I was a nobody who was working at a tire shop and screwing up my life. You're a human being working at a tire shop, figuring things out. Uh, yeah, no, I was, I was fucking everything up at the time. I was just a terrible, terrible person. And uh, well, let's not get too far ahead. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're still in college. Yes, you pre- you approached your your future animation buddy to do some effects. This was in your second year. Yeah, my second year. Yeah, and where where were we at in the timeline when this happened? We are very close to the end of my college career. Okay, and so okay, so even at the end of the the actual second year too. We're at this point. We're in two thousand thirteen. Yeah, close to the end of my second year. Okay. Um, the interesting thing about Dana is that like not only was she a a working companion, but I I learned a lot from her at the time. She was brutally honest with me. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, in turn, I was brutally honest with her. But you know, as we became friends, I. I slowly started to come around to the way she was seeing animation. Back then I was, you know, I was really only doing really like very snappy, flashy action animation sort of things. Mm -hmm. And I remember there was this one night we were walking home and 
She was asking me why I anime, and I'm like, oh, I just, I, I think the motion is beautiful. I like to do, you know, I, I like the, the fact that I can, like, accomplish that. And she was just like, I just want to make people cry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I didn't really get what she was talking about, but I, she was talking about, you know, like, story and actual character Interesting. and things, things that I didn't start thinking about until much later. And she had this way of looking at animation that was much more technical than what I was doing. My stuff was, you know, it was getting really gestural and loose and going kind of all over the place. And when I met Dana and saw the stuff she was doing and kind of tried to pick apart her approach to it the same way I'd done with my other classmates, I realized that she was like, she was relying on all of these, all of these basic Disney principles, but she was, uh, she was executing it in a way that had anime influence in it. And so it was really interesting to see. And I was trying to figure out how she was doing it. And that kind of brought me back down into having a solid foundation. I was kind of going off the deep end with these like loose drawings and like mm -hmm. action things and you know she meeting her was the first time I actually started learning about how to use keyframes properly and so she kind of helped you rein it in or inspired you to want to yeah have the structure. Dana was the one who taught me how to draw intentionally. Before then, I would just put lines on paper, and then whatever it turned out to be, that's what it was. Mm -hmm. But with Dana, she would she would have a concept, and then she would just execute it. And that was a skill that I lacked at the time. Gotcha. So she was story-driven, and she, she helped influence how you used your spontaneity to tell a story. Yeah. Well, she she more just helped rein me in, you know. <laughs> whoa, boy, whoa. <laughs> well, working on her film, uh, no one had ever asked me to do something specific before, you know. It yeah. was just these, it, were, it was these assignments that could kind of turn into whatever I wanted before, and I, I would take full advantage of that, start drawing something, it would end up completely different, but that doesn't work if you want to be a professional. Sure. Oh, totally, dude. In yeah. my internship at LucasArts in 2002, that was the first time I was in a professional environment, and up until then, everything I did was casual and for myself mm -hmm. and I designed whatever I want and having to do it on a clock and with a specific purpose yeah I was lost and I didn't have a specific technique either this or for me it was like we were early in the concept part and yeah it was just do what I can in the time frame and it was rough yeah well I I'm glad I met her because if I hadn't I, I would have never picked up the skill to be able to do something someone asks of you and what a valuable reason to have a collaborative uh, assignment experience in, in school before you get out into the world and then maybe fumble around yeah I mean I definitely fumbled still but yeah yeah but that seed was planted and it seemed like it grew it was you know how I was saying before that all of the subtlety of uh, you know Ghibli animation had been lost on me mm-hmm this was the moment where it started to not get lost on me. Gotcha. Yeah, to where the the flash and the the over-the-top action scenes, I started to appreciate other things besides just that. Once that clicked for you, did you go back and start wanting to do a little slower, more thoughtful animation or like more subtle? Yeah, it's it's where my animation starts to get more consistent. Like my my timing slows down from like basically to a halt. I was timing things so fast before, and and now everything is drawn out. These like crazy long amounts of frames that I eventually had to like kind of push back in the other direction later. But I I was trying to focus so much on just like okay, where is this motion arc? Like how can I get this keyframe to work? Why didn't this drawing work before? Is there any way I can fix it but still work it into what's going on now? Like these were things I didn't think about before in sure. animation, and they're things you have to. Think think about when you're working professionally too how long was that process working on that that short together it wasn't that long i, I think it was just a, a month or so okay wow so so much came out of that that time frame yeah and it's not so much we were working together as it was i was just working for her sure i was examining a lot of what she was doing at the time and you said that you guys were brutal with each other was that irksome at first before you guys became good friends 
Um, maybe a little bit. <laughs> I <laughs> think we probably <laughs> just we probably just thought that each other were super rude. <laughs> Um, so, but how was that development? So you guys, you you became friends and then you were able to say it and be like, oh, I know he, he means well or she means well. Well, we got drunk one night and started showing each other our old DeviantArt stuff. <laughs> that, sounds, <laughs> that sounds like a great YouTube show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Tell us more about that if you can. <laughs> she would probably kill me. Okay. Okay. Well, that, I mean, that's hilarious enough in itself. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> Okay, so that's kind of like where you guys cemented your friendship. And then, yeah, I think so. Cool. Can we hop back? So like two years is it's kind of a long time, right? Like, but we we've we talked about your figure drawing teacher. We talked about your animation teacher that you you left very quickly and then <laughs> switched to another. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, and then this this animated short project, which is a collaborative project where you're working for um, your friend. Is there anything in between there, classes or experiences that happen that might be interesting? I mean, it's just a whole year of college drama. Yeah. Basically, you know, friend groups cropping up and then everyone having falling outs and oh. um, at least three apartments. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, my first three apartments within, I think, three or four months of each other. God, that must be agonizing. Like, be, you're, essentially, you're a kid. You're going, you're leaving, the, like, home you gotta go get an apartment in Manhattan. <laughs> are you kidding me? And then you gotta get another one, and then another one. Yeah, those those situations are funny. We actually the, the first place that I uh, we moved into the ceiling was only like about six feet high, and it was a basement, and there were sections of the walls Ooh. missing, and there were like mystery insects and like <laughs> mystery insects. <laughs> mystery insects. Like I remember I was cooking this one time, and there's like this orange thing that looks like a spider, but I think it only had six legs. Crawls out from behind the stove. And I'm staring at it and thinking, like, what are you? And then it jumps away. And I'm just like, it hey, can buddy, jump. I'm not a spider. <laughs> yeah. It can jump. <laughs> it was uh, real weird. Um, I, I left there very quickly, but they stayed for oh my God. Uh, an entire year, maybe more than that. And I would come and visit them. And one time the door, like, broke. The lock on it broke because it was so old that when we closed it, the key broke the lock on the inside. Oh, gosh. And so I came back and I ended up calling the landlord's uh, son and he was just like, just do whatever it takes to open that door. And so I kicked the door in and the entire frame came off the wall. I didn't even kick the door Hilarious. in. Just the, the, the door fell off and I yelped because it took so little force. And this was the door that was protecting us from the, <laughs> like from the outside elements. Yeah, well, it was actually in Jersey City at that point. Okay. But, <clears throat> yeah, um, it's just a lot of... Uh, Growing up and facing <laughs> young adult hardships, I think are good for you as a Dude, person. That's intense. Yeah, I gotta imagine that's some pricey tuition, right? Oh yeah. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just say that I think it might be a little bit criminal to not provide some sort of dormitory. <laughs> well, in that situation. The there's the dormitory that we had to stay in first year. Um, oh, okay. But you have to pay for that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On top of tuition, so. Gotcha. So that's why we moved to the apartments because they were much cheaper. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's intense, dude. Just kicking down door frames. <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of weird apartment stories from all the places I used to live in. Anything but, involved doing artwork? Well, I mean, there was Hurricane Sandy, and oh, how we, gosh, I yeah. ended up making my first acrylic painting after Hurricane Sandy, because we had nothing to do. Were that, was, did you at least have electricity at that time? No. I was hanging out with my friend Chris Ann. I'd just gone to visit her, and her parents basically abducted me, knowing that I, I was going <laughs> home to an empty apartment, and... 
that I didn't have electricity or anything either. Um, so I was just hanging out with them. We like, you know, she taught me how to paint, still huh. suck at it, but she, t- she taught me some foundation stuff. And then uh, we made oil pastel drawings on the sidewalk, which apparently high wow. quality oil pastel doesn't come off. So oh, it, yeah. after <laughs> months of raining, it was still just as bright as the day we draw. This oil pastel <clears throat> isn't chalk at all. Yeah. So you were going to school and living in Jersey City. Like, what's that commute like? Oh, you have to take the uh, the PATH train, which in Jersey City, it's not that bad. Like, maybe a half hour to... Uh... To get actually leaving the door from door to door? Oh, no, just the train ride. Oh. But oh. the train was pretty close. I mean, we okay. lived right next to Journal Square, which is the the station. When I lived in Newark, Jersey, shortly afterward, the commute became almost an hour. So, oh, wow. And that was just the train. So I, I was, you know, it was a couple hour commute. Well, maybe closer to three-hour commute every every day. I don't even want to think about going to an art school and having to also deal with New York City at the same time. <laughs> I mean, it was so easy for us back then that we were just kids. Yeah, kids are resilient. That's intense. Okay, so you finished up your friend's short working on that. Uh, what projects are you working on for yourself or school projects? Um, we had some assignments, but I only ever took them half seriously. I was never interested in making my own stuff back then. I, I was only, I was only interested in becoming the best technical draftsman that I could. Okay. So you were, you were focusing on development rather than finishing things. I was focusing, yeah, on development rather than finishing things and also on development rather than my own creative endeavors. So I I was only, I was drawing all these characters that I never cared about just for experience. The things you say seem seemingly... Don't correlate with what I see in your work because I see so much in the work and like it's so interesting to hear your story because you say that and then I look at the effects animation on your friend's thing and I'm like this is beautiful this is wonderful it's great it looks like it feels so refined but but it's I guess, not mine. What do you mean by that? That's the key thing. You know, I I only wanted to draw and animate well. I didn't care what I was drawing or animating. So when mm-hmm. it's someone else's project, it, it was easy for me to jump in because I just wanted to make something look good. I didn't care if it was mine. I think, but I, I think there's also the disconnect is you are so thoughtful. That's why it appears so accomplished. So like, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm inferring or I'm assuming from the, the situation. Cause like you said, you're, you're, you want to get technically good and you're, you're focusing on that development. So you're not doing lots of finished animations on your own. But I don't know where this train of thought's going. <laughs> yeah, I was just telling you earlier about that conversation I had with that friend of mine where we were all talking about why we why we drew, like why we were doing this whole college thing to begin with. And when it got to me, I said, I just want to become the best draftsman I can be. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care about making my own stuff. And someone was just like, well, that's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> hold on. What, are they, what do they mean by that? Well, I mean, I, I think most people go into art school for animation because they want to tell their own stories and make their own characters. But at the time, that just didn't mean anything to me. I, I just wanted to be good at animation. I, I didn't care if I was telling a, my own story or anything. That stuff didn't start to mean anything to me until much later. Sure. And did they say that in your freshman or sophomore year? I think that was my freshman year. You have so much ahead of you <laughs> to develop and, and find new goals and aspirations. That's They're pretty harsh on you, <laughs> I think. Oh, yeah, we were really mean to each other. Whenever I had friends visit, uh, the, they would think that we were fighting because oh, we were funny. so mean to each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. That's cracking me up. Yeah, I haven't told these stories in a while. Yeah, and I love the formality of, like, well, semi-formality of this. It's like, we're sitting here, we're doing a specific thing, and we're 
forcing ourselves to talk about this and I have to force myself to kind of try to draw things out of you and like you get to think about things that maybe you haven't thought about in a while. I just think in general, it's like a really healthy and fun thing. College, college. All right, we're, we're getting towards the end of college here, aren't we? Yeah. So you didn't finish uh, college at SVA? No, I dropped out the same year that Dana Terrace graduated. Gotcha. And she's the, the Owl House showrunner. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey, that story? Uh, me dropping out or? Yeah, just like how and why. And... So I told my parents after the first year that I wanted to drop out already. And they were very much against the idea. After the first year? After the first year, yeah. Wow, okay. Uh, they were very much against the idea because, uh, you know, they grew up in a, a time where not having a degree meant that you were a failure and that you'd never be able to get hired anywhere. I don't think they knew any, you know, artists that had gone to college and dropped out and succeeded or very, like, I don't think they really knew any artists at all. But well, let's, let's expand on that. Do you, did you know that degree doesn't necessarily matter for artists? Yeah. Um, after taking enough of Matt's classes, it, it was pretty apparent to me that having a degree in art wasn't really going to be necessary. Sure. Or I don't even know. I mean, I know, I know now that honestly having a degree in art doesn't mean anything at all. Yeah. But at that point, I just had an idea that it probably wouldn't. Gotcha. Um, and so I was trying to tell my parents that, but you know, they just wanted me to stay in school. So I, I struck a deal with them where if I still felt as if I wasn't learning enough for the money that I was spending, um, I could drop out after second year. Let's reiterate that that's something you learned from that figure drawing class, being that he was an entrepreneur himself and he was all about marketing, promoting. And... Yeah. It seemed to me that that sort of thing was going to end up being a lot more important than you know, the actual sheet of paper saying that I went somewhere once. And uh, turns out, in the animation industry, <laughs> no one will ever actually ask if you've graduated. That's interesting. Or even if you went to school. And we're, we're talking with a guy here who's animated for actual animes in Japan. Yeah, the only time it's ever gotten in my way was when I tried to go and work in Japan. Yes, and I was going to bring that up. It's like, that's when the, the degree kind of matters. Like when, yeah. you're, like, when you're applying for certain loans or when you, yeah, you want to work out of the country yeah just the visa got in my way but that's the only thing well that worked out for me because i'm talking to you in burbank california honestly it probably worked out for me too that's why i ended up on castlevania oh interesting yeah because my visa got rejected but you wanted to go into that later didn't you yeah yeah, yeah. we'll talk about that in episode or the second part <laughs> wow oh i can't wait for that stuff um Okay, so you dropped out. Uh, what's the mindset leading up to that second year dropout? Like, you, you wanted to do it the first year. Your parents said, slow down, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so the mindset was, um, well, honestly, my first year animation teacher, I didn't really get much from him. I had gone to school to try and learn how to animate, but at a, past a certain point, I realized I was teaching almost everything to myself. You know, Matt's class was valuable, but I was stuck in this lit class where I was just reading books that I'd already read in high school and then writing essays about them. I was in an animation history, which most people were just sleeping through. And like, it's a valuable class, but it's also something I could be learning on my own time. All we were doing was watching films and, you know, being explained how animation came about. I, I don't want to derail mm -hmm. you too much, but um, you seem to be pretty diligent about self-discovery and learning. Is that something that you've all, that's always been within you? Um, I think so. I think that actually 
that's probably something you could say about any really uh any successful artist would want probably has the same sort of motivation just to go and learn things on their own um almost everyone i know actually that's worth their salts in animation is self-taught to some extent sure but i'm 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 feeling a little sense of jealousy here where like i feel like you really had some smarts or foresight about certain <laughs> things like i mean obviously if you stayed you would have learned good things here and there but like i don't think i was uh as diligent as you were about like Oh, I'm, I can and will figure. I don't know if diligent is the right word. I was just pissed. <laughs> okay. I was I was frustrated and angry, and I would learn these things out of spite if they wouldn't teach them to me. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, the that was my whole mentality back then. I was just this little ball of anger and frustration that I was spending all this time on my own just because I wanted to prove to them that I could do it differently. <laughs> I, and I know I'm derailing again, but what, how, in what were you, you teaching yourself that you weren't learning in classes in these two years? I was just, it's kind of, my the way I learn is a little bit strange. I don't usually do a lot of studies or I, I don't usually do like, you know, I don't frame through things, break down things. I usually just stare at something until it makes sense. Okay. And so what I was doing was I was going and, you know cataloging all of these uh, clips from different animators, I had this folder, actually, that by the time I left school was up to something like three gigabytes of clips that were only 10 to 20 seconds long. Gotcha. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah. I, a billion clips. I know. I, I actually, <laughs> I had people in college asking me for copies of this folder, but... Yeah, and, so we must have a, <clears throat> a discussion after this. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was back before, uh, you know, the, the information about what animators did what was starting to appear online, but there weren't any real websites you could go to to look up specific clips or anything. That sort of thing exists now, and it's sure. really handy and oh, lots Oh, what's of that things. one website? It's unbelievable for that. Uh, my friend just sent it to me. Today. Yeah, they call it uh, Sakugaboru. Yes, unbelievable. Yeah, that didn't exist when I was in college, though. So I had to save all of these clips myself, and um, I I would just stare at them. I would play the clips over and over again, and I would stare at them, and I would try to sense with my mind what drafting things they were doing. So was, was were you verbalizing what you were seeing? Like, were you breaking it down? Or is it you just, like you said, you're soaking it in, and are you intuitively... It, it was literally me in a dark room for hours just staring at this computer screen watching these clips over and over again, and then eventually something would kind of click. Okay. And I would be like, oh, that motion made sense because they kind of pulled the shoulder in... Once it from clicks, the, yeah. you start to verbalize what the specifics were. I don't know if I verbalized it back then. This was still around <laughs> the time where I was just... You know, feeling not not thinking and okay. trying to execute with technique. Let's feel, yeah, because you weren't learning it in class, you were teaching things yourself. Yeah, and so I would get this this general feeling from these animations, and I, I would be able to recreate something similar to that feeling in my work. It was all just very intuitive and and not. I mean, I can put these things into words now, but back mm -hmm. then it was just I felt something and I copied the feeling of the thing. <laughs> How does that work though when you is it still in that time when you were just you were creating animations less for specific reasons and more just for that feeling? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. I used to refer to it as the pull because a lot of the animations you'll you'll see these characters in action scenes kind of being pulled from pose to pose. Oh. by the weight and uh so i would refer to that as the pull <laughs> that's very cool yeah it was uh you know dumb but <laughs> no no i mean that that seems to even apply to, to character design I might have to steal that hmm. we'll give you credit um 
Uh, that's super cool. Okay, so you you were going through the motions of building this terabyte of tiny, tiny clips and GIFs. When you, you're teaching these, what other things were you teaching yourself for? Like, how are you applying, putting this to paper or digital paper? If that's um, well, I started using Flash around that time. I was using Flash and I was using uh, Toon Boom Studio. It was back before Harmony. Or maybe it was around the time of Harmony. I just didn't have that version of it. And I was starting to try and kind of like you know, composite scenes together and, like, figure out some, like, really basic effects things and, like, you know, I was, like, figuring out parallax and figuring out, like, layout and stuff and figuring out, like, a process for how to, like, color my animation. You have a pretty good sense of, uh, of space and environment. Is that something you were teaching yourself at this time also? That kind of just came to me. Okay. I didn't really learn it. Like, once I had the basics of perspective down, it, it mm-hmm. was just more or less obvious to me. You know, this character appearing above this square in the grid will be this size, but this character appearing above this square in the grid will be this size like so you do like when you do your animation you do i do a real loose grid i think my grid tends to be a little bit more meticulous than other people's like mm-hmm. uh, i'll try to make sure all of my squares are actually square because that tends to make a big difference when you're trying to play with focal length <laughs> sure, sure. yeah back to that again but um yeah I, I think the grid is really important i think anyone should at least know how to be able to draw a basic two-point perspective grid it's going to sure. help your work a lot was this work done instead of your classwork or alongside it? Or was this what your classwork became? Um, in the first year, it was just experiments that I did on my own time. Okay. Um, and then sometimes when when an assignment happened to line up a certain way, then I would just kind of appropriate something that I was doing or had already done into that assignment. But second year, I was much more interested in Celia's assignments because, you know, they were they were unusual. Who wouldn't want to animate a six-legged walk cycle? <laughs> sure. I think I might still be the only student that did a machine as was a Was that in your cycle. demo reel? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I remember seeing that. That was one of those... Uh, that was around the time I'd already met Dana Terrace, so I was starting to think about how to execute things, and so I had to plan that thing out. It was probably probably the first example of an animation that I planned out. Is there anything else you want to say about that that second animation teacher? Celia? It just seemed like you had a good time in that class. Yeah, she was just really good about encouraging students to work within their own styles, not trying to limit them in any way or trying to make them adhere to a specific type of animation. She was only concerned with the work you wanted to do and how to make that work as good as possible. So she was giving us a lot of freedom, and I, I think that was good for me at the time. Okay. All right, now let's go back. I'm very, very sorry this is getting scatterbrained. Um, let's go take us back to the end of year two. And you, you worked on that project and we're leaving school now. Yeah, I um, I think I was supposed to make a second year film at the time. Didn't even finish it. You know, I was leaving anyway. Grade didn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. It was lazy. Okay, and, so but at what point did you know that you were leaving? Oh, well, I mean, I, I, knew, I knew from the moment I made the deal with my parents. I knew uh, that it wasn't going to oh, get any better. Interesting. Yeah, I, it, was, it was something that I agreed to for them not for me but do you ever fear like not having met your friend there and had worked on that short film because that seemed to have worked out even though the learning wasn't what you wanted oh i didn't even know she existed (laughs) i I, i'd seen some of the work around but i just assumed it was from a student that didn't go here anymore okay um it wasn't until second year that i found out that it was dana but yeah i no i i didn't really i have this habit of not thinking too much about the future (laughs) or at least back then i had that habit i I would just make these rash life-changing decisions 
on a whim, like how I decided to go into animation school in the first place. Oh yeah, last minute. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but I, I knew that I was paying a lot of money and I knew that that money wasn't worth, wasn't worth it. And you know, everyone's still paying off student loans. Yeah. I still have student loans. Not as much as other people because I dropped out halfway through, but you know, it's still bleeding me. It's still a huge pain. Well, I mean, it's nice that you, you were able to make that connection before you, you headed out. Yeah. I got very lucky because if I hadn't, uh, I have no idea where I'd end up. My stomach is growling, and I wonder if the mi- microphone can pick that up. <laughs> I don't think it's that <laughs> that advanced. Yeah, so I, I ended up uh, leaving school, and I'd kind of actually given up on trying to get a job in animation at that point. Oh, wow. It was just so obvious. And all our teachers would tell us, you'll never be able to work in animation. There are no jobs left. Like, it's and, specifically 2D. Yeah. Um... And you know, even the even the two D shows that were coming out around the time, it wasn't like it was in the style that I wanted to do, and I, I didn't think I I would have a good time working in that sort of thing. So when I left school, I had kind of given up on animation. I I wanted to make my own projects, you know, just animate for myself. But I I never thought I would work professionally, and so I just kind of abandoned the idea. And that's so I, interesting. So Avatar: Last Airbender, which could have been a show that you would have wanted to work on, that was over with by yeah. the time you left. And then the Netflix stuff and the new media stuff hasn't really picked up at this point Mm -hmm. when you left college in 2011 or 12? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, 2000, uh, actually 13. Oh, 13. When I I left college. And actually, The Legend of Korra is sort of coming out already. But I knew that those shows were animated in Korea and that it would probably be impossible for me to actually animate on them. So, you know, I wanted to be an animator. I didn't want to work in animation, but I wanted to be an animator. And it looked like that wasn't going to be a possibility for me. So I kind of said, screw it, and uh, decided that I wouldn't work in animation and that I would just like some normal job or something and make my own stuff on the side. So this segues into working at the tire place? Yeah, I moved back home, started dating this guy. I was working, I was living with him and I was working at a a tire shop, discount tire. Um, And I was working at an art camp teaching these rich children how to draw. Yeah, ages 7 to 12. I was doing that at the same time. So I would like, I would go to the art camp and get mentally exhausted. Then I would go to the the tire shop and I would get physically exhausted. Oh gosh. And um, I just, I spent maybe half a year doing that. I wasn't happy, not happy in my relationship either. It's just, uh, this, this is also 2013 or four? This is all to, also 2013. Um, we're about through the summer now. We're getting toward the end of the summer. Gotcha. And, um, I ended up like moving to Ohio because I was like in love with some other guy and like screwed up a whole bunch of shit with the first guy, left both my jobs, couldn't find a job when I got to Ohio. And that's when I said I lived off commissions for a while. Oh yeah. We, we were talking about that. I, I couldn't get hired anywhere in, in that city, or it's more like a town. I, I don't remember some something like a seventeen blocks across in both directions. Really small town, surrounded by corn, and there were limited places to work, and no one wanted to hire me. What city was <clears> or town? It's called Oberlin. Which section of Ohio is that? It's close to Cleveland. It's actually where they oh, have okay. this really famous music school, but I wasn't going to the school, so it kind of yeah. sucked. Um, <laughs> and uh, just kind of basically bottoming out. And, you know, uh, my rent was only like $200 a month. I was living in an attic, and oh, wow. I was having trouble making that rent. I, like, I was taking these commissions online because it was the only way I could make money. And this is through DeviantArt? 
Yeah, I was like doing DeviantArt. Like I was taking a lot of furry commissions actually. Nothing oh, like hilarious. super weird or anything, but like furries are like <laughs> I like how you put the put that caveat in there. <laughs> well, it was kind of like my like I'm not I have trouble drawing that stuff for one thing. Like I'd always like there were times where I'd be like, okay, maybe I can make a sexy drawing. I get like partway through it and I'm like, I don't like this. Like I don't <laughs> <laughs> something feels a little off. <laughs> it just isn't right for me. And but like, you know, they they would I think furries are probably the the most consistent buyers of commissions out out there and so I had no idea yeah no so so I would take like a a dozen of them like every week or so and I would just crank through these like different characters I just basically like they'd send me a design I'd draw the character and that was it and I how much would you get for not very much like twenty dollars thirty dollars a pop and you know it was enough to make rent and then I'd have like a little bit left over to buy groceries I remember there's this one time actually I found a five dollar bill in like a pair of pants I hadn't worn in a while and I flipped out (laughs) because suddenly I was able to afford Coca-Cola and I hadn't oh, had dude. like Coke in like months. So I, we go to Walmart and I buy this 12 pack of Coke and I go running up the stairs and on the last step, I tripped and I bashed the box into the top step and it split open on the back and all of the cans went rolling down the stairs oh, no. and hit the ground and exploded. <laughs> Everyone? <laughs> there, I think there were like two or three left over that had just okay, almost exploded and like not completely lining. burst. <laughs> I'm sorry. And my friend was down there, and I was like, save them. And he just watched. He just watched every single <laughs> one of those But I'll get sticky. Cans. Yeah. And so that was my life um, for uh, a while. And I mean, I, I, I admire you making your rent through art still. And a lot of people are in that situation. Mm. Honestly, I, I think I had I had it a little better off because I still I had that following. There were at least people who would buy my 20 to $30 dollar commissions or do you know um, how much uh how long you were putting in each of those uh some of them i would you know for, for the most part since i i knew that if, if i was only making 20 or 30 dollars i would try to crank them out like within the hour gotcha. or like within two hours if i could no. um there were some sorry oh no no i this is great stuff um i think it's important to hear this knowing the work you're doing now this is great yeah it was a terrible time <laughs> Life experience. Yeah, life experience. I was sleeping on an air mattress. Man, I remember we like, there was this piece of plywood out back of one of the restaurants that my friend and I stole, and then we took it back to the apartment and had to bring it in like through the window on the second floor because oh, it wouldn't no. fit around the bend in the stairs. And then we like stole, well, borrowed because we did eventually return them like these, <laughs> uh, um, saw horses from the from the college and we made like a desk out of that oh, piece of wood. It was just this gigantic desk that we just used for everything we needed a table for. Wow, pretty hardcore. <laughs> yeah, I still have pictures of that place. Is I would like to see Interesting. It. <laughs> I remember there were just like hornets that would fly around in the room and oh no. There was like a hornet nest next to it and I couldn't knock the nest down because it was like out of my reach and you know I couldn't afford, afford like insecticide or anything and so and I knew that it, I think I'd heard somewhere that like if you like kill one bee the rest of the bees can tell or <laughs> Something so like I didn't want to. I'll hold a grudge and come after you. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if that's true. I mean, it kind of sounds ridiculous, but who knows? Bees are kind of crazy creatures. But these were hornets. You it's know, a good wasps. story, nonetheless. Yeah, and um, I was afraid to kill them because of that. So I would grab them with whatever was on hand and throw them out the window, and they went. They would just re-enter the apartment later. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> what do you want to do? Yeah, and um, you know, eventually that situation fell apart, um, and I I went back to Georgia. Going back to Georgia. Yeah, and I. I was like living with my parents trying to like write a comic or like maybe something I could sell because um, I didn't want to have to keep doing commissions and um, what's your skill level at this time compared to what you're doing now 
like knowing like your burrito piece burrito yeah <laughs> <laughs> my burrito piece japanimation yeah um at this time i mean my work is i think i think it's still pretty decent i i've already learned how to draw at this point there are gaps in my experience and like my animation is still too guessworky but uh like i had i had a foundation to work with i wasn't like the kid who was always losing to everyone in the <laughs> in drawing class were you at this time this rough time were you still pouring over that that those gigs of clips yeah and i was still animating um just making trying to make my own like short film stuff uh yeah it was like rough <laughs> yeah i can sense man i'm sorry that's all right and and then from there he said you you left that situation how does this lead into getting your foot in a door where you want to be so basically um it was uh, on new year's eve i'm at my uh my old friend's place and i'm i'm drawing a comic with him and i'm i'm talking to dana for some reason i i think i was trying to congratulate her on some some work she'd done or maybe i just contacted her out of the blue and i don't remember but i was telling her that you know i felt directionless and that i was like you know i'm like super poor can't uh can't even afford fucking coca-cola <laughs> and she was like well you haven't even tried the animation industry yet like so matter of factly like yeah you know you haven't even tried yet and i was like you know what i haven't fucking tried yet and so i <laughs> that night i was like i'm putting this comic on hold and i just started putting together a reel of animation that i'd made oh wow so she um, lit a real fire huh yeah uh i started putting together like all the animation that was presentable that i made in college that i like made in my time when i was like bottoming out in ohio and i i put together like a one minute reel that was super unfinished and like super unpolished but like i, I think anyone who looked at it would know like okay like this person does have an ability in animation anyway though like yeah i, I look back at that thing and like it's like a lot of the work is crap but like I think it was decent for the time. Dude, I saw the the work you did for her film. Obviously, you you had entry level ability. Yeah, and so she told me about the studio ADHD um, Animation Domination High Def here yeah. in Hollywood. Uh, there was a guy from our school who was working there, so um, she she asked him if there were any animator openings, and there were. And so I I sent them my reel and. They got back to me and they were like, we'd like you to test for this. Uh, it was for Axe Cop. They wanted me to, oh, wow. to test for Axe Cop. And That's awesome. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I did my test, cranked it out as fast and like as best I could. And I, I sent it back and they're like, well, there, there aren't any positions on Axe Cop right now, but um, maybe you could keep freelancing for us and then maybe something will open up. And I was like, all right, I'll take that. That's nice. like, this is an actual job. And um, <laughs> this is way better than furry commissions. <laughs> Yeah, well, so I, I started working on their shorts team, which is like, back then, this studio doesn't exist anymore, but um, their shorts team was making this web content, and they would make a short every single week. Wow, that's yeah. really cool. And it was a team of, I want to say we were something like five or six animators, uh, like a couple designers, and a couple background artists. Um, I might be misremembering, but it was some some figure like that. And I was taking scenes from these, these shorts and just animating them by myself and... <laughs> Um, after about a month or so of doing that, they were like, Hey, um, would you like to move in-house? Would you be able to get here like within the month? And I just like emailed them back, like, I'll get there within the week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
and I um, I just threw what little I owned in this car I bought from my mother's friend for like I think it was like eighteen hundred. Oh wow! Yeah, and I like a really good car actually for how cheap it was. It was super old, like a ninety the ninety seven Acura. I don't know why that's important. I don't even know why I'm talking about it, but I <laughs> textural depth. And then I drove across the country in two nights. Wow, man! By yeah. yourself? Yeah, by myself from Georgia. Um, Very cool. I Dana let me couch surf at her place. And then I managed to find an apartment in Hollywood that was like this studio for like 900, like weirdly cheap. And that is hilariously cheap. <laughs> but there was, uh, there was no fridge and no, oh, yeah, that's the story. LA. No way to cook at all. Welcome to LA. Buy a fridge. Oh, yeah, it was like there was like a mini fridge, and that's all there was space for. Like the, uh, I know they can't see the room we're sitting in right now, but it was like almost this size. Yeah, this is a dinky little box. <clears throat> what is this, ten by ten, maybe? Yeah, maybe something like that. I think that's about the size of that place. But I, I was living in there, and then I, I would walk to ADHD, and it was just I worked on their shorts team for such a long time. They never ended up uh, offering me a job at any of their shows until the very end. But I think we're probably going to get into that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is a great place to leave it. You got out of the funk, you got into some funkiness. Yeah. And wow, and you've been doing it since. Yeah. <laughs> it's that, weird to think back on those times. That's great, man. I, I, I hope you appreciate that I think students and working professionals who love your work are going to want to hear the story and will be inspired by it. Yeah, I mean, ugh, God, I was such a little shit back then. <laughs> Where are we all? I had my moments online. Good thing Twitter didn't exist then. <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you so much, man. I, I can't thank you enough. I hope you do understand this. It means something to a lot of us. This is awesome. Yeah, no problem. All right, man. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. I will see you next time. Thank you so much, Spencer. If there's one takeaway from this episode that stands out to me, it would be don't be afraid of your own path. Spencer's path obviously isn't for everyone, and it might have seemed like a gamble. And this notion might be a little eyebrow raising, but I think he knew exactly what he was doing. Especially if you look at the work he's now creating, he clearly had an internal drive to learn, study, and dwell on his inspirations. You can find Spencer on both Tumblr and Twitter at SpencerWan, all one word. And Dispel can be found on Instagram for updates and behind-the-scenes photos at Dispel.cast. Thank you so much for listening.